Spiritual warfare is vitally important in a world of spiritual intrigue and ignorance. With the increase of New Age thinking, atheism, Wiccan, and a growing interest in the occult worldwide, the need for Christians to understand what spiritual warfare is has never been greater. The vast majority of modern believers are peacetime Christians and are constantly surprised when they face opposition. Meanwhile, this cosmic battle has become an increasingly confusing topic to study as Christians have a variety of views on the topic, some of which are biblical, most of which are not. Yet everyone in the world is under spiritual warfare, underscoring the fact that we are on a battleground, not a playground. The adversary of your soul is relentless in his pursuit of you. We need a solid theology of God, Satan, good and evil, and how to wage successful warfare. Are you feeling dry, stuck, or stagnant? In this episode of Keeper 100, we continue the dialogue on what may be the make or break flashpoint of modern faith. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Hey everyone, it is another episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Hey, what's up everybody? This is your boy, Sean. (laughs) We are so excited as always to be with our tribe once again. And this week we just want to share what we've been up to on the road. And this last weekend we were in Ohio, Canton, Akron, and we were there with the Power and Love team, which is with Todd White and his incredible ministry team. And we saw God move. It was incredible, Krista, to see the people that we got a chance to equip and inspire and basically the Lord fell on them. They hit the streets, they witnessed, there were testimonies of people getting saved, healed on the streets. And it was just cool to equip the body of Christ and see them get released. I tell you what, it was so true. There was such a hunger in that room. There was such a hunger with the people there. And we were just marveling at the hunger in the room. And it wasn't just one church represented. It was churches and people from all over the region, which got me so excited because it wasn't just one group of people. It was like a region came together saying, hey, we want to evangelize. We want to see souls saved in our city. It was awesome. And y'all, we got a chance to go to the NFL Hall of Fame, Canton, Ohio. I mean, that is such an incredible, iconic place to visit. We went in and walked through and it was awesome. I I exercised restraint. I didn't buy any (laughs) NFL equipment because my Raiders have left Oakland. (laughs) But uh, it was fun to see that and take a couple pictures as well. Oh, it was awesome. And then we jumped from Ohio and we went down to Florida. We went to Christian Life Center. What an incredible church. Absolutely love the pastors there. Just incredible people. And again, so hungry. We saw full altars. We saw God move powerfully. It was amazing. Multiple people got saved. The prophetic was flowing. I think even on the Instagram, we show some pictures of people, as you said, packed out the altars Mm -hmm. and the hunger of people coming out. It was, it was awesome. And so we, we really, it was our first time going down there. And so we really felt like we made connection and we believe that we'll be returning. We've been hitting Florida a lot. We have. It's interesting. You know, Sean, I think you and I would agree. There'll be seasons where God has us in one state a lot, but I keep thinking about, we got a prophetic word that there, that we were a part of an outpouring and an outbreak in the state of Florida and so many doors have opened in Florida. I totally forgot about that. Yes. So every time we go there, I'm like, okay, God, we're just pouring into that word. We're aligning ourselves with that prophetic word. And as we can just come alongside people that have been just doing the work day in and day out, however, we can serve those visions and come alongside those local pastors and local ministries. It's such a privilege because we are seeing some incredible, incredible things happen. Like I just posted a testimony from the ALS, which we've shared before, but if there's people from our Keep It 100 tribe that haven't seen that testimony, jump on my Instagram page and check it out. That happened in Florida. Amazing. 
And then, hey, we're going to be filming for our, for our new books. Come we're on. We're actually hiring a good friend of ours, Joe Pony. He's going to come in. We're going to do each about eight to 10 different video segments for our new books that are coming out. Krista, you're doing your new book yeah, on... Singled Out in a Couple's World. It comes hey. out October 26. I'm so excited. This has been a labor of love and it's been a project that's been a long time in the making. And so to see it actually come to, you know, be a reality is beyond exciting for me because it's just been a long time coming. And it's all about the single person really finding a place of contentment and rest and trust in their single years and not viewing your single years as filler years, but actually viewing your single years as your root system years, that that's actually what sets you up for the rest of your life because you really solidify who you are individually in Christ. And I'm working on a legacy or finished a legacy edition of prophetic evangelism. I essentially took, uh, for some of you that don't know, that was the first book I ever wrote, but I took half the book out, wrote an entire new portion to half the book and then the half that remained, the original, I rewritten it all. So essentially, this is like a rewrite, whole new book. Super excited about it. But not only am I super excited about that, I'm super excited about this episode. Come hey, on. y'all, just put on your barbecue bibs, bibs. and just get ready because <laughs> we're about to bust out with some ribs on the grill. We're going to bring the meat today. I tell you what, it is a meaty session. So get out your forks, get out your knives, because I tell you what, there's nothing soft about the food we're bringing today. It is some meat and potatoes, but we want to jump right in because it's such an important topic. We want to give the time that is needed for this topic. We're talking today about spiritual warfare, the current backlash, but a common breakthrough. See, we know that today so many people are dealing with spiritual warfare like never before, but because it's been a topic that's been so lacked of teaching in recent years, there's a generation that has been raised up that does not know spiritual warfare true, 101. True. You know, I released a video this past week on my social media and I talked about, hey, don't take the bait. And that is really not taking the bait of the the enemy in the area of heaviness, depression, fear, panic. And there is so much in society on news and life that's going on right now that the enemy wants us to take the bait. And my whole thing is never before has it been so important to spend time with Jesus like it is right now. You and I both individually, and even as a couple, we have felt a real invitation from the Lord to really up our time in the presence of God in prayer and intercession and really seeking God and anchoring ourselves in a time where we feel the storms around us, but really recognizing we're in an intensified time of spiritual warfare. That is so true. I mean, you can see it based on the fact that we've seen this extreme onslaught of various troubles, yes. losses, trials. We recognize the stuff that's still going on with the, the current pandemic. We recognize the stuff that's going on in the Middle East right yeah. now. The tragedy is going on there. We see the whole political landscape and it's just gotten crazy. And I, again, I'm not trying to be political, but I, I would say this, those of you that called for people to pray for the last president, I would call upon you to pray for the current president. Well, no matter who's in office, it amen. is biblical according to Romans 13, but it's just evidence in the fact, or this is evidence that we're in the midst of such spiritual warfare. We see people that are experiencing illnesses, life-threatening losses, it's so true. And we're seeing people so overwhelmed right now with despair, frustration, with fear, anxiety. So many people are dealing with deep fear, deep anxiety. Right now, we are more medicated in our nation than ever. The suicide rate is higher than it's ever been. And that's true of many nations around the world beyond America. And we're seeing such an onslaught of people in the area of battling for their peace because they're listening to the wrong voices. Yep. And along with that, I would say too, you were 
hearing of people battling for their marriages. Yep. We're seeing people with deep confusion, people that are feeling directionless, dulled spiritual awareness. I mean, all of these are in uh, indicators, you guys, that we are experiencing heightened spiritual warfare. The the uh, the red button has been pushed. It's on. We've got to begin to fight. And we have to really understand in the time like we are in right now of intense spiritual warfare, we are seeing such an increase of seducing spirits and yep. deception of so many people. Yep. People are losing their faith. They're walking away from their faith. They are doing it what they call a deconstruction of faith. But the problem with deconstruction, they're not rebuilding it with the theology of Jesus. And we have to understand that when you begin to ground yourself in a place where you are listening to the wrong voices, you'll find that defiling material is now beginning to really break down your theology, break down your belief systems, and even break down uh, that, that previous anchor point that you had. And and just this is a little, even a little bit of a side note, because there's been such a confining time where more people have been on their screens or at home or different things. Now people have been exposed to a lot of defiling material online. Pornography rates are up and so many kids because there's at home schooling that kids weren't in the classroom last year. I mean, it is an unprecedented number of kids that are now being exposed to pornography now dealing with all that. And so there's just this heavy onslaught of defilement and Deception. And you know, I, th- I think it's interesting that I'm seeing a lot of people that have grown up kind of in the comfy place of church, you know, kind of a nice, tidy Christian church, a nice, tidy life, and they have been disrupted. Things have been shook, so to speak. And as they've been shook, I can tell they do not know what to do. And they don't know what to do because they haven't really had adversity. So good. And it's adversity that actually creates the root system within you. It's Ooh, adversity that. that actually creates a depth within you. And you know, here's the thing as many people have ignored the significance of spiritual warfare and understanding the necessity of it because they think, well, Jesus already won the battle, right? Well, yes, he did. But we have to understand there's truths about the unseen world. You and I understand there's a spiritual dimension behind everything we do and experience, whether we're aware of it or not is actually irrelevant because the truth is it does exist. So spiritual ignorance is a condition that believers could no longer tolerate. We've previously Snap. tolerated it. We can no longer tolerate it. We've acknowledged demons theologically in so much of the church. Honestly, we've lightweight refused to acknowledge demons practically. That is profound. That is so on point. And I'm just going to keep it 100 because that is the title of our Do podcast. It. I think many of us in the church are content to live as babies in a spiritual daycare center. Ooh. It's just like, get my needs met, feed me, burp me, get me out, in and out. And I just believe that the Lord right now is allowing a little bit of warfare in our lives for us to begin to flex our spiritual muscles and to begin to mature and to literally carry ourselves as heirs who have authority that as Jesus is in the world, the Bible says, so are we too in a world. And I just want to say this too, just to a lot of kind of the emerging mindsets that attempts to do justice will always flounder unless, unless we remember that the ultimate enemy of humanity is not simply injustice. It's not poverty. It's not inequality. These things are bad. It's not dictatorships or sweatshops. It is unseen. It is spiritual. It's what gets into people's souls. And this is the very thing that Jesus gave us authority to fight against. Most people make this mistake, I believe, of thinking that evil is a what, but in reality, evil is a who. Ooh, that's so good. Evil is not something, it is someone. For example, the Bible reflects this 
in the fact that the title Satan means, quote, one who resists or opposes. And this is what the devil does. He opposes God's purposes. He opposes God's people. He opposes you and the destiny. In the New Testament, the devil means the slanderer or accuser. So you guys understand this. Jesus came to set the captives free. Satan comes to take the free captive. So good. You know, we have to be mindful that the de devil is single-minded and dangerous. So be wise in how you conduct your warfare with him. You know, if you follow Jesus, God has given you the incredible resources by placing the Holy Spirit within you, but you need to resist letting pride tempt you to try to think that you can fight the enemy on your own. Friends, you don't, you and I don't have what it takes to defeat the enemy, but Jesus Christ within you has what it takes. Jesus is already defeated, so you're simply enforcing the blood covenant that you have access to as a child of God. You know, Ephesians 6, 10 says, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, not our might, his might. So whether or not you're paying attention to him, you have to understand the enemy's paying attention to you. Say a lot of for the people in the back. Hey, keep it 100. Super excited. Uh, we're going to begin our Hundo P segment where we answer questions. Question number one. What are some of the biggest keys to getting a breakthrough in spiritual warfare? You know, some of the tactics of the enemy is, number one, he uses mind games. You know, when Satan entered the scene as a slimy serpent in the book of Genesis, one of the first strategies he used against Eve was to have her question God's commands. You know, Satan twisted, uh, he twisted the words around so she would second guess what she already heard God say. And so much so that she actually doubted what she heard and then was convinced by a lie, which we obviously see that in Genesis 3. So we have to understand in the mind games, Satan is the author of confusion. He wants to create chaos. He wants to bring disorder where God has brought order. The second strategy of the enemy is he's the accuser. Satan loves to play the blame game and point his fingers. Yep. You and I know this. His whispers are lies to us about how we're unworthy, unforgiven, ugly, failure, whatever it may be, you fill in the blank. He will also cause us to believe wrong things about others, making us maybe the accuser or the victims of accusation. And this causes division and strife among family, friends, coworkers in our life and ministry. And we have to understand that, you know, our enemy is not another person. It is the devil himself. It is his little minions, the demons. We have to understand that there is a, a, a roar, a roaring lion going out, trying to kill and devour us. And we can't fall prey to that. We can't come underneath that demonic attack. And the third strategy I think is he attacks our health often. We're talking about strategies, mm -hmm. you know, and I often see so many of us uh, deal with health stuff and you know, the enemy tries to come in there with pain and infirmity and whether that causes fatigue or weakness, attacking your health is a way that the enemy really tries to get you to question God's goodness, his yes. character. And in times of trouble in times of contradiction in times where you're dealing sometimes with physical stuff or and this could be applied to a plethora of ways in our lives. We have to understand that when you're in those dark nights of the soul, when you're in the valleys of life, that's when the enemy wants to distort who God is. And lastly, I would say one of the biggest strategies of the enemy is he's the tempter. He's always going to try and entice you with things from the world so that you walk in darkness and you compromise. He's always going to try to make darkness and bondage look appealing until you get in bondage and you realize all of a sudden, 
what seemed fun now not only isn't fun, but it's actually taking away your destiny. Isn't that true? That is the bait he uses so he can get you caught on the hook. I think another big key in terms of what are some of the biggest keys to breakthrough in spiritual warfare is you got to know his timing, you guys. You have to understand Satan often attacks at the birthing stage. Think about it. Eve was attacked at the beginning of the world. Jesus was attacked at the beginning of his ministry. Peter was attacked at the beginning of a new phase of ministry, getting ready for the birth of the church. And we're like the people in the Bible. We often experience spiritual attack at the beginning of a new ministry, a new job, a new phase of relationship, such as married life, or a new try at breaking free from a bad habit. And Satan often attacks when someone's beginning a new quest. So right after a person comes to Christ, or right after you say you're really getting committed, right after you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, right after you've witnessed to someone, right after you've stood up in class and identified with Christ. But remember this, it was right after Jesus was attacked by the devil, and this would be in Luke 4 when he was in the wilderness, that he came out in the power of the Spirit. So if you understand the timing of these attacks, you could begin to move out. Satan also attacks when we're vulnerable. So recognize at different stages in our lives, gang, we're going to be discouraged sometimes. We're going to feel alone. We're going to feel sick. We're going to feel weak. And that's when we're most vulnerable to attack. And we see that in the Bible. Think about it. Satan attacked Jesus when he was hungry from 40 days of fasting. He attacked Peter when Peter, when Jesus was tried and it looked like everything was going south for their ministry. And we see that Satan also comes when believers are in weak positions, either physically or, or emotionally. And recognize, I'd say probably a third area in this component is Satan attacks you after you got a breakthrough or a blessing. Success invites pressure and stress and can bring back old memories. And under the right or wrong conditions, we can return to bad habits. So I would say, my advice would be, if you know the timings that the enemy comes at you, you could begin to fortify your, yourself in that area and begin to wage a better warfare. Next question. What are the traps that the enemy tries to get us caught up in? You know, some people really try to blame every sin, every conflict, and every problem on demons they need, they believe need to be cast out. You know, and the Apostle Paul really instructs Christians to wage war against sin in themselves and to wage war against the evil one. And we find this in Ephesians 6. And, and I really want to bring that up simply is I think the enemy wants us so focused on the enemy that we're living on the defense rather than the offense. And when you're living on the defense rather than the offense, you're more focused on the, what the enemy's doing than what God's doing. But above all, we combat spiritual warfare by keeping our eyes on Christ, recognizing that yes, there is a, a enemy that's going after us, but we have the authority to defeat the enemy because who dwells within us. When we're more Christ-minded versus enemy-minded, I believe that starts us from a place of victory rather than defensive and fear and actually fearing the enemy where he feels big. I want, Although we're talking about the enemy today, the enemy still has no authority next to Christ Jesus. And so I just want to put that in perspective come on, come as on. we continue to talk about the traps. Cause I think one of the traps is the enemy tries to make himself powerful. He tries to make himself really big friends. He is not big, but we also want to be wise and how we steward this, you know, really in the second trap, I believe is the world around us. Yep, there is such yep. a pressure to conform. So there's a trap for you, the popularity or the followers on social media to even on, for preachers in America right now to say what's cool, what's 
trendy, what's hip, what this group wants to hear, what this group wants to hear. And there's such a sway, even in the church, according to people's politics, preferences, social statuses, um, belief systems. And, and people basically now in church want to hear what they believe. If there's any challenge to that, um, even if it's biblical, uh, people have an issue with that because there's been a seduction and a deception. And the trap is called getting seduced by the spirit of this age, the world around us. And if you're not careful and rooted and grounded in God, it is really easy because you've previously really respected this person. They might now be preaching not a full gospel, uh, but you're amening it because it's what you like to hear. But if you were honest with yourself, it's not really what the gospel is saying. And you know, the third trap I would say is the emotions within us. You know, so many times the traps are actually the emotions that we feel. And I think we have to understand emotions are good. God gave us emotions. God created emotions. Emotions are productive. They're healthy. They're godly when they're sanctified. So I love emotions. I think we need to be aware of how we're feeling, but we have to learn to first and foremost, take our emotions first to Jesus and then to maybe other people or situations, but our default setting, which has previously not been our default, our default setting has to be that we bring our emotions to Jesus because so the culture at present is how we feel is our truth. Right. You know, you hear that, how yeah. we feel, that's my truth. Well, okay, that might be how you feel, but can I challenge that mentality? Just because it's how you feel doesn't actually mean it's truth. It's your perspective. It's your emotion. But can you bring that to Jesus? Can you measure it to the word of God and find out? out if it's actually what God says. To me, those are kind of some basic traps that are really easy to fall into, especially in the culture that we live in today. I think that is so awesome because I really agree, particularly that last one. Christy, you're, you're talking about the emotions within us. I, I really believe emotions were never meant to be the facts themselves. Yeah, They were meant to be responders to the facts of life, but not yeah. the facts themselves. That's good. It's well said. I'd say another trap of the enemy is the flesh upon us. Krista mentioned the world around us, the emotions within us. I would throw in the flesh upon us. You know, Jesus, when he died and you become born again and you receive his substitutionary sacrifice and you confess him as Lord, you get a new nature and he removes the old man but you still have to discipline your flesh. Jesus didn't take your flesh off your body. You're going to have to discipline your flesh and deal with that. First Corinthians chapter nine talks about it. So the flesh upon us, I believe is another trap of the enemy because the enemy's always trying to lure your flesh, seduce your flesh, incite your flesh, stir up your flesh. And flesh isn't just lust. You know, it could be pride. You know, the Bible talks about the, the lust of the uh, eye, the pride of life. Uh, the flesh could be, you know, you wanting to get upset and angry and retaliate or take offense. And the one of the ways to discipline it is if you love God and love others, I believe that's the key to winning over the flesh. Because the flesh at the end of the day is going to be self-centered. So another one of the traps of the enemy is the flesh upon us. And then I would add also the memories behind us. Satan loves to use our previous sinful actions, often before we came to Christ, to convince us that we're still under the domination of sin. I remember years ago when I was in campus ministry, I remember a guy that just believed he had committed the unpardonable sin. He obviously had enough 
religion in him to understand what that was. And I said, hey, you want to get right with God, right? He goes, yeah, 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 I want to get right. I said, well, that's proof you didn't commit the unpardonable sin because when you commit the unpardonable sin, you're not trying to get right with God. The fact that you are, that means the Holy Spirit is dealing with you. And so you have to understand these are memories that the enemy's trying to trap you to get you to think you're unsavable. And you have to understand, hey, your old nature has passed away. It's been crucified. You, you have the Holy Spirit. You got a new nature. And that's why the Bible talks us about renewing your mind. Because think about it. If you're not renewing your mind, then you're being driven by the, the memories behind you. And then I would finally say, Krista, that it's the fear before us. Mm. Even Apostle Paul, and I want to make this part short, but even Apostle Paul wrestled with fear. He said in 2 Corinthians 7, 5, for even when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. He was talking about the fear of what's before him. And you have to choose to not live in fear because fear is a hook. It is one of the most profound weapons the enemy is using right now in spiritual warfare, particularly in this time of pandemic, this time of global uh, conflict, this time of situations in our nation, economy, all this stuff. He's trying to bring out fear. Don't give in to fear, you guys. Break agreement with fear. So key. You know, I feel led to share this. You know, in my 20s, I really battled with fear and I felt like my mind was so overcome with fear. And my mom really began to disciple me in the area of spiritual warfare. Uh, For so many years, I relied on my mom and my mom began to really challenge me. And although she, of course, prayed for me and contended for me, she said, Krista, you're going to see the greatest breakthrough when you actually pray for yourself, when you activate the authority of Christ Jesus within you, when you understand who is within you, that spirit of fear has to leave. And so what Sean's talking about is a game changer. When you understand when those thoughts of fear start trying to come into your mind like a machine gun, they're just coming at you. The way you combat it is you plead the blood of Jesus over your mind. You take on the mind of Christ. That is part of the inheritance as a child of God. We're able to access a renewed mind because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so when you access a renewed mind and you're taking every thought captive, you're defeating a spirit of fear. I think this is so important for so many people because I think this is the gateway to freedom. What is the biggest battlefield in spiritual warfare? Hands down, it's the mind. The mind is the biggest battlefield for the believer. And for that matter, for the person that doesn't know Jesus yet, I believe for for humanity, maybe that's the best way to say it. The biggest battlefield in spiritual warfare is the mind. It's the territory and it's the first place the enemy attacks. You know, I think you and I have to be constantly aware of what type of thoughts we allow to enter our mind. You know, the word of God says, take every thought captive. That sounds almost impossible, doesn't it? But when we allow God to renew our mind and we're making sure our thoughts align with the word of God, that effort, that intentionality actually becomes less and less uh, because we've actually had that renewing take place. You know, you have to understand that if the enemy can control your mind, then he controls your thought pattern. When you agree with those thoughts, what you believe actually leads to your actions. And so your actions go according to what you think. So that's why it's so important what's in your mind actually becomes lived out. So if you catch it in your mind, you're actually changing your behavior. You're changing your belief system. You're changing your decision-making patterns. Why? Because you've changed your mind. When you're watching the territory of your mind, you don't let any thoughts come in that aren't from God. When you're diligently like a watchman on the wall, so to speak, for your mind, we have to understand we're like that watchman saying, oh no, that's not from Jesus. You know, we understand if it doesn't have the fruit of the spirit, if it doesn't align with 
with the word of God, then it, we don't want that in our mind. We have to understand the enemy wants our minds to resonate with any unscriptural patterns of thinking we may have. And this makes it easy for us to give into it because sometimes it's really familiar. And when it's familiar, it can actually feel like us. When in all actuality, it's the enemy wanting us to agree with an ungodly thought. But if this happens over and over, that's when things can lead us into sin, into discouragement, into bondage, into defeat. But when we take those thoughts captive, again, that's where we see the freedom happen. I just want to underscore what you say and just... I can't emphasize enough. You have to understand and know the importance of your thought life. There's a battle over your testimony. Satan's trying to take That's back good. territory that Jesus has given you. And the enemy wants that ground because he knows the ramifications of your thought life. Satan knows that if you wake up to who you are and whose you are, you will be unstoppable. So what are you thinking? What's playing in your head? Because it's revealing the source and the voice that you're listening to. Because you either have the mind of Christ or you're being influenced by another source, the kingdom of darkness. And we see this clearly in Matthew 16. In one moment, Jesus commends Peter for having this revelation, right? Peter's feeling kind of good about himself because he says, hey, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, when Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? But in the very next paragraph, if you read it uh, right after that verse, Peter's getting rebuked by Jesus. Jesus says, get thee behind me, Satan. But actually Jesus rebuking Satan for operating through Peter's mind and words. And he uses the phrase, you are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So you could see right here, Peter had made headway in his mind in professing that Jesus is Lord, but now the devil's already trying to take that ground back. He's a usurper and trying to get him to take a shortcut as opposed to going to the cross, which finally leads us to this point. There is no neutral ground when it comes to your thought life, gang. Your every thought, belief, and attitude is either in agreement with God's word and empowers you, or it's under contention from darkness and it dispowers you. That is so good, Sean. I love what you just said. You know, and I just want to add that, you know, the enemy loves to develop develop arguments against us. And he he's basically like a lawyer. You got to view the enemy like a lawyer. He's always trying to build a case and he's trying to almost wear you down with what he views as logic. And so many times if we're not careful, we'll go, well, that's true. Oh, wait, wait, that's kind of true. Oh, well, that's 90% true. And all of a sudden things get twisted and turned around and we don't even know what truth is anymore. I've seen so many people get twist and turn with theology, with who God is and understanding who God is in the situation. And we're seeing such a change in people's places of faith because people are succumbing to arguments. And we have to understand that that's nothing but a lie. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And we have to know the word of God and we have to understand what the word of God is against the enemy. How did Jesus defeat the enemy in the wilderness? By saying, it is written, it is written, it is written because we know the word, we're able to discern what is a lie. And you know, when we believe a lie, lies can often become strongholds. And I really want to take a moment because we're going to talk about strongholds for a moment. Come on. Because we have to understand strongholds are what we are warring against. But sometimes when we've succumbed to maybe immorality or bondage or false belief systems or lies from the enemy, it can create a stronghold within us. And we hear that word, but we often don't understand what it means. So every stronghold you break will release you into a new season and a new level. Why is that so important? Because we're going to define what a stronghold is, but understand when you break through a stronghold, you're actually going to go to a next level in God. You know, the main warfare of the believer is against strongholds. And these strongholds are things that the devil's placed in the mind of the believer to oppose the word of God, as well as the 
power of God from functioning in the lives of believers. That is profound, literally, that definition of stronghold. And I would just kind of, along with what you're saying, just say that, hey, the enemy uses cycles. He uses a cycle. Mm. You go from enjoying this thing to it's entertaining you. Before you know it, you're enacting it. If you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap your lifestyle. So it all begins with a thought. And you think about it, the enemy's always trying to throw thoughts at you. He's trying to basically, maybe even stuff he's done generationally that you think, hey man, because your dad had it, your dad's dad had it, then you'll have it. Your mama struggled with it. Your your great mama struggled with it. So you're going to struggle with it. So the enemy tries to use these thoughts, but then after a while, they become irrational belief patterns. That after you accept the thought, it becomes established and then it attracts more like thoughts. It becomes like a familiar spirit and it soon become a part of your thinking. And before you know it, you're in this place where you have a corrupt mind and it began with a thought. It kind of went to irrational belief patterns. Now it's a corrupt mind. You start calling evil things good and good things evil. And before you know it, you're no longer sensitive to what is right or wrong. So you have to catch it in the thought stage. You catch it before you've, it's begun to reap a lifestyle inside of your heart, which leads us to question number four. How do we activate our authority in this battle? You know, first of all, I believe the average Christian really has no idea how heavily supernaturally armed we are to actually win battles. You know, God has called us to righteously resist and what you're asking him to remove, whatever's not removed by the father, you and I are empowered to resist and overcome. If we don't believe this, we're going to think we're weak and we're going to think we're defeated. You know, as a result, we've struggled to get onto the battlefield of culture with courage and confidence because we don't actually believe that God is bigger than what we're facing in society at this time. You know, I remember a man of God talking about this. You know, what good is having Christ in me and his authority at my disposal if I can't handle like pastoring in Los Angeles, you know, ministering on the strip when I when I lived in Las Vegas and pastor in Las Vegas, we would go inner city. We would, you know, minister on the streets of Las Vegas. We were holding up signs that said free prayer, free healing. And we were just like bringing the gospel to the lost, the broken and the hurting on the streets in the city, both in San Francisco, where I ran a school and ministry in the Bay Area, as well as in Las Vegas, Nevada. Both are tough cities. Both are full of darkness. And there was a fire in me that recognized if I can just get the light to the darkness, but I could only come at that place of darkness with a confidence because I knew who was within me. If I didn't think the authority of Christ within me could defeat or overcome the darkness, I wouldn't go out there with confidence. We have to understand that our authority authority comes the responsibility to use it for God's purposes. If we don't rebuke the devil, he won't be rebuked. If we don't drive him back, he will not leave. Mm. It is up to us. Satan knows of our authority, but hopes that you and I will stay ignorant. We must be as convinced of our authority as the devil is. We need to go ahead and exercise our authority in Jesus name. You know, and I just want to say one more thing, because I think this is so important. There is no place, no circumstance and no pressure in which Christians and God himself is not greater. We have to understand that God always has the home court advantage. You know, we have to understand who we are at all times. God always has the upper hand. I would also want to challenge people that hear this. God has a purpose in spiritual warfare. He allows tests and trials. Now he does not tempt you. The Bible is very clear that God does not tempt you. You cannot say that the enemy tempts. But God allows tests and trials in these times. He's allowing the attack to purify our faith, strengthen our spiritual authority, and cause us to rise up. 
that he allows us to go through temptations because they highlight our weaknesses because we tend to have blind spots when it comes to our own stuff. Like everyone else is seeing his stuff, but we don't see our stuff. Example of this is in Luke 22, 31 to 32. Jesus said to Peter, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And get this, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. He's saying, Mm. you're going to be tempted. There's going to be warfare, but you're going to get strength in here, strength enough that it's going to become literally your adversity is going to become ministry to others. You know, as we close out the Hundo P segment, just a couple of thoughts as we wrap up this part of our episode. You know, what are your habits? Who owns your habits? Because the habits that we live with every single day are going to dictate the life you live for Jesus. But I want to tell you, casual Christianity has no place anymore. If you want to walk in your fullest spiritual authority, you got to be walking in holiness. You got to be walking in righteousness. You got to be walking in purity because winning the battle requires the full surrender and the lordship of Jesus over your life. And lastly, you know, the enemy wants to rob your voice. There is such a cancel culture, which we've talked about. And the enemy wants to silence you with fear of intimidation and fear of man. But I believe there is a test in this hour for the Christians to arise and use our voice rooted and grounded in the love of Christ and the gospel of Jesus to declare his word unapologetically and with confidence, recognizing that as the word goes out, it will not return void. I just want to underscore what you said, boo. You must be overcome by Christ before you overcome the enemy. Amen. The bottom line is God's calling us back to prayer. Hey, super excited as we go into our Keeping 100 Takeaways. And this episode, we're talking about principles for waging successful warfare. You are called to be a weapon in God's hands to confront darkness. If you're in the kingdom, you're in a battle. And you have to capture the lie before it captures you. Revelations 12, 17 literally affirms this by saying, and the dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who kept the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So I want to begin by saying a principle for waging successful warfare is you have to use scripture. That's what Jesus did. So whatever area that you're being intact in, let me give you something practical. Memorize some Bible verses in that area. So if you're struggling with fear, find you, uh, like get a concordance, look up scriptures on fear. If you're struggling with lust, you're struggling with worry, anxiety, you're worried about your future, you're worried about your family, you're worried about your kids, whatever thought that comes in your head, hit him with a Bible verse. Like, so hit the devil right in the mouth with God's word, identify the truth, use the scripture. So it's not enough to get the word to fit into your belief system. You must allow it to form your belief system. You know, another way to wage successful warfare is not feeling sorry for yourself, not coming into that victim mentality. It's really easy to feel sorry for ourselves when everything's going wrong. And there's been a lot of things that have gone wrong in this season. But you and I, we have to break agreement with darkness and cast down every lie and every thought that doesn't line up with who God says we are and who God, what God says over the situation. If you and I don't build memorials to what God did, the enemy is going to try to hijack our mind, filling it with what God didn't do. And what do I mean by that by a memorial? You know, so many times I will be reminded, I'll take time and I'll simply reflect on what God has done. I've reflected on the faithfulness and the goodness of God. I will remind myself of, hey, remember five years ago when I was praying for this, while I'm living in the promise of what I prayed for five years ago. Gosh, remember last year, I was so worried about this, that, or the other. Wow, look at me. I'm not even thinking about that anymore because 
because it's done. God finished it. He's so faithful. He came through. And I look at the memorial. I look at the reminders of the testimony of Jesus. And I literally let my testimony prophesy to myself. If he did it then, is he not going to do it now? If he did it five years ago, is he not going to come through this this time? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change. Circumstances will change, but Jesus never changes. And so when we root and ground ourselves in who he is, and we can trust that, that's what breaks a victim spirit, abundance. The enemy always wants us to focus on what isn't happening, what we what God isn't doing from our earthly perspective. But you and I know God is at work regardless if we see it, if we feel it. You know, we have to keep the faith when you feel forgotten. Sometimes we wonder if we're alone out there on this battlefield. Friends, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, Jesus, most importantly, he's there with you. When trials come, God's there. We're never alone. We have to hold on to the truth when the enemy is telling us lies. You know, and a second thing I've really seen of really waging successful warfare, you know, just really reflecting on my life, I have upped my time. Even in this season, you and I have an ex- have experienced unusual amount of warfare in this season. And you and I have yes. both said, okay, Lord, we recognize we've got to press in like never before. I want to encourage our Keep It 100 tribe. Don't just acknowledge the warfare you're going through. Get on your face about mm. it. Don't just talk about the painful times or the hardship or the obstacles, but actually go to Jesus about it. Go, God, give me a strategy. And one of the greatest breakthroughs I've had of keeping me aligned with God and successful warfare is I worship and I praise. I tell you what, I wage warfare in worship. And when I worship, it changes my atmosphere internally and it changes the atmosphere externally. I think some of you just need to, after this podcast episode, need to turn on some worship music and just begin to praise God. Not because it's all changed, not because things just got better, but because God is going to come through and your circumstances will change. God will take you through the valley. You're not going to stay in the dark night of the soul, but the King is coming for you. And I want you to know there is victory when God is writing your story. Another principle for waging successful warfare is this understanding that you can complain or you could combat. I believe there's, we're speaking to a lot of people. I can sense we're hitting the vein that you're facing a lot of warfare. The enemy's trying to nickel and dime you. You got something went wrong here. Something went wrong there. Something's wrong with the car. Something's wrong with your body. Something's wrong with your mom. Something's wrong with your kids. Something's wrong at work. You have all this. You can complain or you could combat. So I would say a principle waging successful warfare, you have to resist. You know, in our mixed martial art class, our instructor always tells us that the person that fights back and in particular uses their voice, most attackers will flee. But surprisingly, a lot of people don't fight back. And James 4, 7 tells us, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. We need to make the effort to resist, even when it's much easier, come on somebody, to go watch something on Netflix, Netflix binge, comfort food, take out, retail therapy. You can do that, but you have to understand the enemy will gain ground. So you have to persevere even under pressure. When the heat turns up, it gets harder to do the right thing. You want to do the easy thing, the faster thing, the thing you desire, but that's part of his attack. I love that. That's so good. You know, we have to identify if we want to have successful warfare and we want to see breakthrough, we have to identify the lies that we believed and the strongholds that are in our life. And we identify the strongholds by 
identifying where we've allowed the enemy in. So obvious things would be sin, bondage, uh, when, you know, immorality, things that contradicts uh, a life of righteousness and holiness. Those are obvious. But I also want to talk about just those simple lies of um, I, I'm always depressed or I'm always struggling with anxiety. And you actually identify as that is who I am when actually that's the enemy waging war against you. And now you need to wage war against the enemy. You know, we have to understand that you might must have discernment so the spirit of God can guide you and reveal if there's any strongholds that you're actually unaware of. And as you're listening to this podcast and even afterwards, I would encourage you to take a moment and ask Jesus, are there any strongholds in my life? And as you ask the Lord, listen to what he says. And as you're asking God, you know, and say he shows you something, right? I encourage you to confess it. When you declare that you found that stronghold, that lie, that moment you break the enemy off that area, you bring every thought captive to God. Once you confess it, you then repent. And that's really an important part because you got to sever that. You got to sever that. And severing happens, cutting off happens when you repent for allowing that stronghold to form in your mind. And by repenting, you're literally divorcing yourself from that uh, behavior. You're divorcing yourself from that um, lifestyle, from that belief system. And then you renounce the thoughts and you break agreement. And renouncing the thoughts, what I love about this is you're breaking off that spirit and you're commanding that spirit to leave in the name of Jesus, then you renew your mind. Renew your mind fighting lies with truth. The sooner we go to God for help and perspective on our daily troubles, the better. So many times God's the last person we go to when God should be the first person we go to. You know, I find that when I go to him right away, when I'm feeling maybe a little upset or frustrated during the day, it's the Lord that helps me get over it quickly. But when I wait till like the end of the day or before I'm going to bed that night, when I'm completely discouraged, it's way harder for me to get it um, out of me or for my mind, that mindset to get broken because I've allowed it to kind of uh, perpetuate. I've allowed it to kind of build in my mind or my emotions and it's become bigger as the time has gone on. Had I just gone to God at the beginning, I would have nipped it right away versus I let it fester too long. So I've learned run to God quickly and run to God immediately. And that, that way you're eliminating a stronghold from developing over time. When you when your mind gets overactive with negative dominant thoughts, you have to get up, get active, take authority and change your thinking. Don't think just even a week ago, you guys, here's real life. Even a week ago, I was just hitting some tough things in the spirit. We've just been experiencing some warfare and Sean was out of town and I'd stayed home to work on some stuff. I started pacing in our upstairs hallway and I mean, I went I was yelling at the top of my lungs and in the back of my head, I was like, oh Lord, please let our neighbors not think Sean and I are having an argument because we're not. I'm actually just yelling at the enemy and I'm telling him he has no authority. He has no place. And so we have to understand, we have to use our voice. We have to actually uh, speak to a place uh, where we can tell the enemy, do you know who I am? I am a daughter of the King. I'm a son of the King. And so you don't have authority of here. There has to be a, a breaking down that happens in the spirit. The moment you realize that you have a wrong thought, you need to replace it with a God thought. The longer you hold on to that thought, the further downhill you're being led, the harder it is to get that territory back once you've given it up. Hey, sons and daughters, I just want to tell you, you're going to make it. Right now, what seems like a massive Armageddon 
will be a momentary blip. If you will implement some of these principles, just know that you have the captain of your salvation, Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. There are angels for every demon that attacks you. There's Come two on. angels that's working on your behalf, two to one. You have the blood. You are a child and you have authority. So Lord Jesus, we just pray for those that are listening and they're going through just massive attacks right now. We just pray a spirit of breakthrough for all those that are listening. We pray your provision. We pray healing. We just declare God is one of the names of God in the Bible, Bel Perazim, Lord of the breakthrough. We speak breakthrough over everyone listening. And we thank you, God, that Lord, we believe that we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And truth isn't just facts on a page. It's a person. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms. And check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe. We're so looking forward to being with you next time. We are going to have a surprise theme for our next episode. You do not want to miss it. And as always, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram and seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it